I'm Floyd Hall and this is Today Maybe Forever and today I have the pleasure of speaking with artist and administrator Tiffany Latrice. Yes. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's Friday. It's a beautiful day outside so I'm excited to be here. I'm glad to have some time with you because I always feel like you're whenever I catch you I feel like you're always like right in the middle of something (laughs) you know in transit yeah in between moments and so Which is a good thing, but sometimes it's like I want to just kind of steal some of your time, and we're always kind of moving, uh, you know, in these in these spurts. So mm-hmm. it's good to just have some time to sit for a second and talk. So, what is what is inspiring you right now? Just like as you move through the world, personally, professionally, like what what is kind of just you know taking up space in your head that's really giving you some some uh you know just being a catalyst i would say absolutely um i think that's a really good question because like you said i am always on the go and i'm in transition and i think you know that keeps me interacting with so many different people throughout my day um and in my work you know running an organization like tila studios i am supporting an underserved community and so what's going through my head every day is how can I best support them and in, in what ways? Because I think in the world right now, we're in a very unique place, um, politically, socially, and economically. And, you know, it's a really cool movement going on with just empowering marginalized voices and how do we do that? Um, and I think I'm in, like, a very cool place to do so. So I think about how do I give stories to, to light? And right now, what's been inspiring me is the women that I serve. So I've been interviewing them, um, asking them questions about their own personal and professional practice, um, being very well aware of what's going on the national level and regional level. Um, so reading a lot, you know, just from Kim Drew up in New York to uh, my friend Jessica um, Lynn. She is an amazing um, art critic. So just reading how people are talking about black art and then how we can influence that here in Atlanta. So take me back even before before Tila Studios. Mm-hmm. Take me back into your practice as an artist. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, because I think as folks interact with Tila with, with Tila, yeah. you know, they will come to know many artists mm-hmm. and they will see your vision manifested in that space. Absolutely. But I'm just curious about even before all of this. In these oh. earlier moments, yeah. Um, talk more about you know that that part of who you are as well. Um, that's interesting because I didn't come into my own until 2014. I never considered myself as an artist. Um, I always knew at a very young age that I was talented, um, but my family really pushed me to focus on academics because I was smart. I've always been a well-rounded individual that had the intellect, but also. Um, the capabilities to be creative. And so when I was growing up um, and I wanted to take art classes, my mom didn't allow allow it. So I didn't take art classes until I was in college. And I had to minor in it because my mom was like, I didn't send you all the way to California to to, um, major in art. And so I knew I was being um, very intentional when I decided to minor in art. And then those stories at the time, it was always about women. Um, I've always been curious about women, and even through my academic studies, like my major was international relations um, and gender, culture, and global society, so I had to like tweak on international and foreign policy. 
Um, I got my master's in women's history. Um, and it always underlied with art at the same time. And to me, what inspired me was just like my great grandmother at the time. Like, I felt like I was always carrying her with me and telling her story. So when I decided to transition to being a full-time artist in 2014 by moving to Atlanta, um, I felt like I was bringing her. And then I really started exploring, you know, her oral history through my artwork. And that's kind of how I really came back to my own practice was just like interviewing her and then figuring out ways to tell that story on canvas. So take me back geographically. So you're in Atlanta now. You were in California before. Yeah. Where were you prior to that? New York. New York. And where were you prior to that? Uh, L.A. Okay. So bicoastal in, in sort of your yes. where you've sort of landed mm-hmm. um, in that way. And, you know, thinking about some of what you mentioned earlier and uh, thinking about where we are right now. So we're currently in Atlanta contemporary having this conversation so you you kind of brought i think some some current themes around women and and at least how i perceive it um showing up in 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 certain places but also being able to um maybe break away from some of those uh historical like women you know i didn't send you off to go to you know to be an artist Uh, i you know some of those maybe uh previous notions of what was acceptable or what was permitted um, so maybe talk about the decision that you made within yourself to say, okay, I've been I've been wrestling with this notion of being an artist for maybe a, a lot longer than you know um, many folks have known. I've, yeah, I've, I feel I've, like I'm still wrestling with it, to be honest. Uh huh. So so how much of of Tila? is an extension of that for you like okay yeah. I've, I've wrestled with with this i'm still mm-hmm. wrestling with it let's create this space to continue that dialogue right i was you know when i moved down here in 2014 um i locked myself up on a farm in powder springs and i had this beautiful beautiful housemate um that owned the home and she allowed me to have very subsidized rent like i was paying nothing to live at this place and i had my own private studio a wood shop at her barn i didn't work for 9 months and i just wanted to prove to myself that i could paint i wanted i wanted that satisfaction for the first time in my life and i produced a huge body of work and built all of these canvases and i was so proud of myself for just committing myself to my practice and the, and my storytelling Um, and the documentation of my work. So when I went out to actually get gallery representation in Atlanta and I applied to Yale MFA program, got completely rejected. Um, And when I got that rejection letter, it, I wasn't upset. I just knew there was some growth opportunity because I had a conversation with a gallerist here. I guess I can call her out too. Her name is September Gray, you know September. She's so dope and she actually took a meeting with me and she sat me down and she's like, Tiffany, you know, how, your work is no different from my cousin in Chicago. Like that doesn't, I can't tell the difference. You're talented, you're a skilled painter, but what m- makes you unique? Well, who, what's your voice? And I knew I was pushing myself to paint, but I hadn't established my voice as an artist. So when I realized that, I didn't take it personally. I took it as a moment of like, okay, there's room for me to grow. I love growth and I love critical feedback. So I started talking to other women. Like I was meeting with Shaniqua, I was meeting with Unique Norman. I was trying to find people that looked like me that I could talk to about work that, that mattered to me. And I 
found out that I was going to places to meet them, you know, and they weren't gathering together to talk about that. So I was like, where do black women go? Where do they meet? Where do they go to talk about their work? And there wasn't a place like that in Atlanta that existed to have conversation amongst each other, black women. So when I saw that I needed that for me, I was like, I need to create that for others. Other women need that as well. And that's how Tila was born. And I think it is an extension of my artwork because I get to go in there and not only create my work and get feedback from artists, but also have conversations about my work. And I think my work has grown while building Tila. Um, and so I look at it as not only am I a visual artist, but I do consider myself a social practitioner in the sense that cultivating and providing space um, for this community. It seems like Tila as a concept in Atlanta was well overdue. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's... It's, it's almost one of those things where you're like, why why wasn't this around 10 years ago, 20 yeah. years ago? And yeah. maybe, you know, maybe it, it had been in certain iterations, you know, mm-hmm. but just in the in the current sense, it feels almost as if um, the community of artists had been begging for that without knowing that they were begging yeah. for that. Um, so for those who maybe aren't as familiar as I am, you know, I'm not trying to be arrogant but i'm saying we've we've we've, we've talked about, you know we, yeah. we've had conversations about this already yeah. so but for those who may not be as as aware of what tila is like talk about the footprint of what tila is what it's meant you know to provide and how you're growing it absolutely um yeah i think that's a really good question too because i don't think i knew i, I still don't even know i think the whole scale and scope of this thing um which is exciting to me because so many people inform what Tila is. So just on a basic level, Tila Studios, we empower black women artists who create and showcase their art um, through a shared co-working space. Um, so we have a space where we kind of ideate and incubate ideas. And then we have an exhibition space where we showcase black women artists and hold conversations in our shared gallery, not just with black women, but with men and people in the community to talk about that art. Um, and so we're in, we have three phases of how we want to grow. Um, which is um, incubation, creation, and exhibition. We're currently in incubation and exhibition. Creation means that we want to grow and scale and to have private studio spaces for black women. Um, And that's eventually having a whole entire building for us, private studios, um, painting studios, a dark room, photography room, um, as well as a ceramics room. I want it to be an all-inclusive facility where women can come and co-create together. Um, that's the long-term plan, so people can really produce ambitious art projects. Because right now our space, we don't have enough space for people to work on six-foot by eight-foot canvases or bodies of work or multiple canvases like that. Um, and I think that's a need as well, and also private spaces. So we have three um, opportunities for women to opt in. They can opt in on the community level. They could just join in the dialogue. Let's talk about your work. Let's read a book together. Let's critique a film. Um, So that's just the dialogue section. And then we have courses. So for those who want to refine their practice and want to get some more technical skills, we have classes at Adobe Suite, um, printmaking workshops, painting and drawing classes, literary crits for those in um, literary arts. And then for the full-on co-working member, you get 24-hour access to our studio, one-on-one consultations with me. So I always consider myself the doc connector. If I see an opportunity that aligns with your practice, I'm going to 
advocate hella hard on your behalf. Um, I love that because I see all of my members as extensions of myself. Um, so that happens, and then we help you produce your own solo show in, in the gallery. Um, so really getting your portfolio you know, well-rounded and prepared for a museum or um, submission level ready is what we say because no one's telling you that your portfolio sucks until you actually meet with the person that matters. So it's like, why don't you have an institution or a vehicle that can help educate and, conform- and inform you and cultivate you so when you go and have that meetings, you're on point, you know, you're confident, and you're not like, dang, I suck, I need to go back to the drawing board, and it doesn't put you five steps behind. Yeah. Um, you are already, you know, ahead of the curve. So what, what, I guess, what from an infrastructure standpoint mm-hmm. do you see as still lacking for artists in Atlanta, whether it be, you know, black women artists or artists in general, in terms of... Yes, being prepared, but then the next thing, you know, being submission ready. Submission ready for what? You know, what are you trying to take advantage of? Where are you trying to place yourself? What what do you see as uh, as more holes that need to be filled? Absolutely. I think, you know, because black women creating is just a form of resistance in general. Like it's, uh, you know, when you are creative, you are you are claiming your space in a space that is not meant for you. You know, only three to five percent of, you know, artwork in permanent collections in the U.S. is women. Black women make up a fraction of that. I think only 27 percent of solo shows in galleries around the U.S. was of women. Black women were a fraction of that, too. Um, I think for me, I want to help women understand that there's money out there also how to really leverage your career so in the sense that we we really focus on how if you want to be in the high museum for example or you want to be in the brooklyn museum what are the steps to get there so really um it's do you have professional you know images of your work that's critical um do you have a really good art statement so revising your art statement so it's sound and um really succinct and then also, do you even know what the grant writing or fellowship writing process is like? Do you know what they're looking for? Um, because I'm in a fellowship right now. I've been coached on that. I went through the Hatch program with C4. I have all of these tools that I'm imparting on them. So they're not going in there and blindly writing. You know, they can write in a way that will actually secure them um, those, those fellowship and grants. So, for example, I worked with Rose Smith, photographer, in Atlanta, um, we met in January of last year. She had no idea that the city of Atlanta had, you know, um, their their emerging artist award or their their grants for individual artists. And she had this profound body of work on Vine City. She's a research and documentarian um, photographer. And when we met, I sat down with her and I coached her through each phase of the application. And she got the award. You know, she just didn't know how to articulate her voice. So I think just the um, the business side of it is is where the growth can happen. And for me, too. And I think that that's kind of where I, I want to play a role. It's like, yeah, they're doing great work, but the business side, writing about it, um, documenting their work, I think is where black women struggle. And I want to alleviate that pain point by offering those services as much as I can. Now, we talked about this the last time that I saw you, mm-hmm. and 
I think I asked you then how oh, goodness. how how are men supposed to support this? <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. where 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 is our um our way in and and not necessarily a way in but like again how do we support you know how do we know where our boundaries are as it relates to Tila Studios? Yeah. How do we know how to be allies in that space mm-hmm. because it's it's I guess coming from um a sense of wanting to support, but also understanding, okay, this is where the boundary is. Mm-hmm. So how are men supposed to play a role in helping Tila become what it's supposed to be? Absolutely. I think that's a really good question. Um, my partner, Keenan, always asks me that too, because he's obviously a huge advocate of what I do, but he can't even come to the space, you know, and participate. And he's my partner. So I think that's a question that people have been asking. And right now, I'm really focused on how do I best serve my members. Mm-hmm. But we're about to start um, a campaign to really say, like, sponsor women. Um, sponsor women, whether it's, like, in a workshop or a courses or their membership. Um, and I think that's a way to do that so we can just make sure we're serving the women in the best way and people can actually get their name or um, behind or rally behind the different women that we support. Also, buying the work. You know, we need people to buy the work. So... The work in our gallery is pretty affordable, and we offer payment plans. So I think if people just building our patron circle, allowing black women to have patrons that really rock with them on that level, um, writing about their work. You know, you're a writer. Like, coming in there and writing a, a review about the show, um, whether it's positive or negative, like, giving us that feedback to better improve helps us get established and say that what we're doing is credible because a lot of times there's no writing about black art so that gives you the credibility you know those critical art pieces about you know um an exhibition or an artist or a profile in art papers or burn away burn away you know we haven't made those platforms yet but i think thinking in that level um that's where we could benefit um and i think too we're, we're working on at the later of this year, um, just a, our patron circle, um, where it can be men and women opting in to be patrons of what we do. Going back to this notion of Atlanta being a place for this coalescing of of, yeah. of talent and, and energy, again, it would seem as though this would be the whole Tila concept, the whole vehicle would be something that would have been a part of Atlanta's fabric, you know, for a much longer period of time, um, has not been that way. Um, in terms of, I, I guess, maybe like in, in in an organized way, I would say. Yeah. Um, so, as visible as Black women are in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> why? Why? Why do you feel as though not? Not do you feel like yeah. why? Why mm-hmm. is there this 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 absence of of you know black women as 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 part of the narrative Mm -hmm. what do you think yeah i think just from my experience here i am not a native atlantan so i'm not going to say i know everything about atlanta Mm -hmm. um (laughs) because i think people are going to come for me if i say that but just from my understanding of the fabric the art fabric here so it's it's male dominated it's male dominated so you have you know, like the Michael Rooks, the Alan Averys um, of of the art world that are giving, you know, opportunities to artists. You do have the Spelman Museum as an institution, for sure. Like, hands down, I think Makiba and Andrea are, like, 
really cultivating that space and that voice there for black women. But in terms of um, really like prominent voices, it's either white men or black men. And you think of the whole Maya Bailey's movement. You have Notch 8, you have City of Ink. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. So you have all these gatekeepers that, and then I guess the only other person would be September Gray, um, black woman, you know, running a gallery space that will actually showcase black women artists. But still, in in that space, there's not many black women on those walls, or even Zucot, there's not many black women on those walls. Um, so seeing that, you know, and having conversations with them, too. Like, I had a conversation, yeah, I think it was at... Um, Zucot, and I was like, what's the pipeline for emerging black women artists? I just straight up asked, because I'm pretty bold, and I'm pretty direct, and I'm pretty blunt, and these things that I care about, and um, he said, oh, I, I don't have one, and I don't know where they are. And then I started listening out all these names, and I know that that is because, like, if, if, if it doesn't look like you, if it's not who you are, it's very hard for you to see that there's a need. And because I am very business savvy and artistic at the same time, I can I know that there's a need. So I know that I could be a strong voice for that because I look like every other black woman artist out here trying to make it. So, and I've been talking with these organizations like Zucod and like um, September Gray of like, hey, let me be that pipeline for you. If you don't want to do the research and not be out there doing the work, let me do that work for you and be like, hey, here you go. So you can't say that you don't know where they are. You can't say that you haven't seen them because they're out here. And a lot of times, too, black women artists are so multifaceted. Like you told me, like, you know, I'm in transition. I'm always on the move. That's very true of a black woman artist in Atlanta. On the go, family, mother, wife, multiple children, and, sometime, and somehow still finding a way to produce dynamic bodies of work. So we are operating on a different timeline, too. Like, a lot of our work is produced late, 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 late at night or early, early, early in the morning and not having time to really have be opted in into the conversation. So knowing that and knowing the way black women are working and maneuvering, I'm aware, so I'm keeping track of that. So I can say, hey, you know, Angela's been working for, like, 10 weeks on all of this body work and is in her house, but she don't have a way to get it here. But you need to know about her. So going back to what you said earlier at the very beginning when you mentioned how um, how your mom, you know, or I guess maybe your your parents, um, mom mm-hmm. or parents and whatever, um, were like, this art thing is yeah. not, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're not going to send you to go do this art thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of that may be rooted in, in wanting more stability or yeah. maybe just patriarchy around how you see an, an artist and what that looks like. So going from that in your own experience and then being in a space to ask those questions of those gatekeepers um, and given all of the different hats that black women artists wear is it one of those things where people just aren't seeing them for what they are because they see them in these other capacities absolutely okay absolutely absolutely so when it comes to removing or enlightening that blind spot what again back to this notion of what do you want us to do um what do you want us to pay more attention to 
or to be more critical of or be aware of when it comes to black women artists in Atlanta and how they move in this in this geography that we live in? Yeah, I think we're in a um, in a really awesome opportunity to say have critical conversations about the art first and foremost. Like when you see a black woman and their art on the wall, you know, all art is not great art. Like, let's get out of that habit of saying, like, oh, yeah, it's good because you did it. Like, don't pat me on the back if it sucks. And I think we sometimes get too passive and not critically engaging in, in black women's artwork. Um, we just say, hey, it's good. It's good that you did this, despite all the stuff that you, you got going on. Like, it's dope that you could produce that. No, like, let's talk about in the context of the actual show. Let's talk about the placement on the wall. Let's talk about the composition. Let's talk about the storyline. Let's really take a deep dive into the artwork. And I think if we can remove the actual individual, so not Tiffany, um, the girlfriend, the gallery owner, pretty light-skinned girl with locks that can produce great art. Let's look at the art, take it as face value, and break it down contextually. And if that in itself, you know, we can have a good and robust and dynamic conversation about the artwork itself, you know, that, that creates value. And I think we're not doing that as much for black women. We're just like saying, being very passive when we see artwork on the walls, like, oh, it's good. No, it's beyond good or it's beyond bad, but let's talk about it. And I think like that's the part to me that's missing. I think they always interrogate the person itself, themselves, the women themselves, and at the actual work. So the work is never valued. It's just about who the person is creating the work. Whereas I feel like other artists, it's not the case. Like you purely talk about the work. And it's like, why does my personal life and everything who I am have to come into context about my work? Like why do those two have to connect for me? So um, I don't know if that makes sense. But these are things that I think about. Yeah. And, and I think that because it does oftentimes take so much to present work. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot to not just produce the work, but then produce it and then present it and then, you know, be able to have a show mm-hmm. that often the the celebratory nature is congrats, you did it. Right. <laughs> and yeah. so people are going to come out to the opening reception uh-huh. and because it becomes a very social moment, uh-huh. it's congrats, you did it. Let's hang out. Let's take some pictures. Exactly. Let's celebrate, which is awesome. Great. <laughs> yeah. But in many ways, um, it ends there. Mm-hmm. Or you may revisit that when the show is about to close. Exactly. So it's maybe kind of filling in those in between times to say what was actually on the wall like what was actually yes you know presented <laughs> exactly um i think i think that's a really good point i think you said that very well um so let's let's let, let's speak that more into existence um mm-hmm. just on this in this moment that we're currently having right now <laughs> yeah. but just you know in general just try to speak that more into uh into um existence um but even th- this this notion of of art in a social context because I think in Atlanta oh yeah um going back some some years I think that the the way in which we socialize art has now become the space for that in the absence of as many night spots in the city mm-hmm. so you know years ago when there were more clubs in town when there were more lounges in town 
and people socialized that way um i think that as they as those spots have moved outside of the city and it's harder to get to those spots so they're just kind of further out kind of making a 30 minute drive to get somewhere the in-town art experiences have become ways to socialize and so I think that becomes because it's a, a, you know you're going to see people you know, and you know you're going to hang out and you're going to have a good time. I feel like that the need to socialize still you know remains, and so that becomes the thing that people hold on to the most mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so that brings me to maybe programming. How have you thought about programming exhibitions or helping people, people helping the Tila artists? program an exhibition so you have your opening you have your closing but are you programming certain moments in between are you programming all these touch points so talk Mm -hmm. about that yeah that's a really good question um so what we what we did at the beginning of this year um my team and i we sat down and we really came down to the core of what we want to do because last year like to be honest you know, we were just getting started, so we're like, we just need to get ourselves out there. We need to do all this stuff, do all these events. But what we realized that what we were doing, we weren't supporting our mission. And um, not only is it empowering black women artists to create their work, but really educating and informing them about their work. And that was part of the structure our, that was missing last year, I believe. So we sat down, when we mapped out 2018, we said, let's give each quarter a theme. Each quarter has a theme, um, and all of our programming rolls up to that theme, even our exhibitions. So um, for like quarter one, we really focused on womanist versus feminist, that whole notion of what do those two terms mean and how does that affect um, black women's artwork. And you know, Alice Walker really talked about that in Search of Her Mother's Gardens. So we, we were reading a lot of that literature and when we did our call for art, that was informing the call for art. When Grace did her piece about the show, she wrote about that. Um, when we do our artist talk, that is woven into that as well. So we, we've really mapped it out where our film studies, um, our art workshops are all about how we are tackling these themes and how we are expressing ourselves with the art. Um, this month is, quarter two is really focused on 19th century art production and how 19 who were the 19th century artists and how they inform contemporary art and our art practices um so we're studying a whole bunch of artists that way so we map that out and we share that syllabus with the artists that we work with and we ask them to read excerpts we send them videos we post it on our social media um and we engage with them that way and we even give people assignments you know we're all about <laughs> you know we're not giving you like extreme homework but um if how do you know where you emerge from if you don't even know who's out there, who's been doing it before you? Like, how can you not know, if you're a photographer, how can you not know Sheila Pre Bright? So many people don't know them. And that happened when we were on an artist walk, um, a gallery tour at the High Museum. And I saw like Thornton Dial and I saw all these artists because I'm kind of like an art history nerd. So I was like, yeah, this was from this time and this is from this time and this, this artist informed this artist. And people are like, I don't even know who those people are. I have never seen a Jacob Lawrence piece, you know, I've never seen a lot of this stuff or, um, and so when I was thinking about that, I was like, cause black women, a lot of times are, are just producing because they have an urge and a need to produce, but the research 
knowing Lorna Simpson, knowing Carrie Mae Weems, knowing Micheline, knowing all of the artists that are producing, how does that inform your work and your practice is critical. So we try to educate and inform our artists on that way, and we have books in the gallery, um, in the studio. So we tell them where, where our inspiration comes from so it can better inform and inspire them. All right, well, with that in mind, um, I would love for you, because we kind of talked, you know, kind of reached back and brought some things forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love for you to do something very difficult, which is oh goodness, shout out some of your favorite artists in Atlanta. Oh, um, that is so hard. Who 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 you think we should know more about? Um, okay. as, as we wrap up, just to okay. kind of give folks some homework. If you say, uh-huh. "Hey, you're in Atlanta. You listen to this conversation. You should be." Following or researching or just connecting with this artist and kind of seeing what they're talking about, like three or four names, just top of your head. All right, okay. Um, I would say Jess Hill, Jasmine Williams, Sierra King, uh, Nika King, and Ariel Gardner. All right, and how can folks plug into what Tila Studios is all about? How can they find you, follow you, get inspired, get involved? Yeah, um, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Tila underscore studios. My personal account is Tiffany underscore Latrice. Um, and you can also opt in on our website and just sign up for our newsletter and see what we got going on. And our public events come out. Like, we're not going to turn you away. <laughs> we, we want to see you there and support us. Awesome. Tiffany. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome, Floyd. It was great. <laughs>